The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. One moment, a business is on top of its game, profitable and well-respected. In the next moment, it could be the victim of a major fraud with potentially catastrophic consequences. Financial losses, damaged reputation, diminished stakeholder value, scrutiny, even bankruptcy. These stories are all too common in today's business headlines. While some organizations recover, others don't make it. How do you minimize the risk of fraud and avoid the devastation? Welcome to Fraud Talk with host Chris Marquet. Our goal is to prevent your organization from becoming one of the statistics. Now, here is Chris Marquet. Good morning, good morning, and welcome, Fraud Talkers. I am your host, Chris Marquet, on the Voice America Online Radio Network. We've got another terrific show for you today. Topic of discussion is going to be more embezzlement, employee theft, and particularly uh, uh, in Vermont and uh, small states like Vermont, as my special guest this week uh, will be Don Keelan. He was a longtime CPA writer, novelist, uh, among other things, and has lived up in Vermont for many, many years. Uh, He's going to help us shed some light on why certain states like Vermont seem to be having such a problem with employee theft. And we'll we'll be uh, uh, getting to uh, to Don very shortly. First, I want everyone to remember, we cannot forget our mantra, and that is uh, in every organization, there's always somebody who's up to no good. And we here at Fraud Talk are here to help uh, educate, help um, uh, shed some light uh, for the business community and try to squelch and stomp on the uh, the epidemic of fraud that seems to be all around us and ho- hopefully uh, <clears throat> turn the tide, as it were. So the call in line for the program, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. If you would like to join the discussion this morning, call in, and uh, if we if we can, we'll fit you in, uh, answer your questions, and you can also find me online all over the place, uh, major social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, etc., uh, on <coughs> hashtag Fraud Talk with Twitter, at Fraud Talk is our handle in Twitter, and uh, you can also check our blog, which is all about uh, white-collar crime, uh, particularly embezzlement and employment theft major cases in the news every single day which is called also fraud talk on blogspot so contact me directly chris at marquetinternational.com m-a-r-q-u-e-t international on one word if you've got a question comment or suggested fraud of the week also i want to let you folks know that we are looking for sponsors for the program Uh, we rely on sponsorship to continue bringing informative and interesting discussions and guests on the topic of fraud and we need your help to keep the keep the program going Uh, advertising on fraud talk can be done in a number of different ways 
uh, we'll get you voice uh, spots, banner ads on our Fraud Talk host page, even live plug from me uh, and guest appearances uh, as it uh, as it uh, warrants. So if you've got advertising dollars and you want a rifle shot on this program, please contact me and I will connect you with the Voice America folks who handle this thing, this sort of uh, activity. Uh, we have a wonderful and loyal audience. It consists of business owners, uh, stakeholders, uh, CPAs, attorneys, insurance and risk management people, government and law enforcement folks, loss prevention and security professionals, investigators and forensic accounts, and, and a host of others. Uh, so if you're a, a CPA firm, an insurance company that offers fidelity coverage, a law firm that handles white-collar crime, or an investigative litigation support firm, an accounting firm, or others, um, this might be a very nice and relatively inexpensive way to get your name and message out there. So talk to your marketing folks and reach out to me. I'll be happy to, to hook you up there. So for those of you who may not know, I run a boutique investigative and litigation support firm. It's called Marquet International, www.marquetinternational.com, M-A-R-Q-U-E-T. And my business is really focused in two, ger- two general areas. One, supporting I- investment firms and others by providing a deep due diligence analysis on key individuals and entities around the globe. Uh, and the second is working with um, primarily with law firms, our in-house counsel on fact-finding uh, in that capacity in a litigation support uh, role or potential litigation support role, investigating uh, employee misconduct and fraud, finding, vetting, and interviewing witnesses, conducting asset search and recovery investigations, and a host of other investigatory activities. And we also provide uh, a little bit of security, uh, corporate security. Security consulting. So um, that is uh, that is our firm. But uh, one of our key specialties, as 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 you all know, is employee theft, employee misconduct investigations, which we've developed over about thirty years of exp- professional experience. And uh, more recently, in the last uh, seven or eight years, doing a lot more writing and analyzing of this topic, uh, which brings me to the most recent uh, report on embezzlement. Uh, just published the twenty third. Marquet report on embezzlement uh, again can be downloaded directly from our website at marquetinternational.com or you can simply email me at chris at marquetinternational.com and I will send you a copy and we are actually working on the 2014 report already I've committed to try to get this thing done by the end of the first quarter so uh, our website can also um, allows access to uh, our various other white papers reports and articles including including the Marquet Report on Ponzi Schemes, which is uh, very interesting and informative, uh, as well as the prior embezzlement reports and numerous articles that I've written on the, on the subject. So in any case, I, I, I want to delve further into the area of employee theft uh, this, this week, and I've invited our special guest, uh, Don Keelan, to help, us, uh, to help explain it to us further. Um, please welcome Don Keelan to the program. Don, how are you? And I'm Happy New well. Year. Uh, despite all the snow that's coming down here in Vermont. So. Oh yeah, is it uh, is it coming down now? Finally, I suppose. Uh, 
A, a little bit, yep. <laughs> yeah, well, we've had a bit of a cold snap up here in the northeast uh, for the last week, and it's uh, a little bit of snow down here in Massachusetts, but uh, that's par for the course. Uh, for for our audience, uh, Don is a veteran CPA uh, who's got a unique professional history. Uh, I've had the pleasure of getting to know Don just uh, a little bit just only recently uh, since we've been corresponding and chatting a bit about uh, the embezzlement ec- epidemic uh, up in Vermont. Uh, let me tell you, tell our listeners a little bit about uh, Don's uh, background. First, uh, uh, after a stint in the U.S. Marine Corps, uh, Don received his uh, BBA degree from Pace University in New York, became a CPA under the tutelage of Arthur Anderson uh, from the mid-60s to about 1970. Uh, you have worked for real estate development uh, and investment firms over the past 45 years in both New York and Vermont. Um, <clears throat> Dom was a professor of tax law at Dutchess Community College and Marist College in Hyde Park, New York. Uh, he has run a bed and breakfast in Arlington, Vermont, along with his wife uh, over a course of about 13 years up until 2000 called the Keelan House. He's currently in private practice uh, as a CPA in Vermont. Uh, he's uh, an antiques dealer and a writer also for the Bennington Banner, the Manchester Journal, and vtdigger.com. Don is also a novelist, having written three books, uh, most recent one being Conspiracy on the Hudson, uh, published in 2010, and he's currently working on a new book uh, related to nonprofits. Uh, Don uh, was chosen to be the co-director of the Vermont State Auditors Commission on Internal Controls and Enhancement over Cash, Embezzlement Prevention from 2010 to 2013, and he has received many awards for both his civic activities, as well as his writing. Welcome, Don. That's quite a mouthful. Well, indeed. <laughs> thank you for saying all of that, and uh, um, I appreciate it. My my pleasure. So you've been you know you've been all over the place uh, from marine to accountant to hotelier, writer, novelist, involved in civic local civics and whatnot. Uh, not to mention your expertise that you've developed uh, on embezzlement. Tell us a little bit about your. Uh, your your personal evolution here and your your professional and personal evolution getting ending you up uh, in, in Vermont. You you say you're not a Vermonter. Uh, you're from New York originally, but you've been in Vermont for the last uh, 35 years. So I, I guess you have to be born there to actually call yourself a Vermonter. Uh, is is that true? That's uh, that's true. I mean, uh, we're sometimes referred to uh, as Flatlanders. Uh, although I come from New York, and New York does have some big mountains, but uh, actually bigger than Vermont, so or at least higher anyway. That's uh, true. But, uh, no, I've been up here uh, full-time since 1988, uh, and uh, when I retired from the real estate development work in New York, uh, and then uh, brought our son up here, and he started a company up here in that field. But I, I have a, uh, I'm semi-retired as a CPA up here, uh, and I got involved in uh, uh, nonprofits recognizing that Vermont has more nonprofits per capita than any place in America and desperately needed uh, uh, help in, uh, as trustees and so forth and uh, definitely needing trustees who had a financial background. So uh, that's how I got involved in the, a lot of the civic work up here. And then um, um, a few years ago when the, um, there was a rash of embezzlements in municipalities, our state auditor at the time, Tom Salmon, put together a nine-member committee made up of uh, uh, directors of finance for municipalities 
uh, and we have about 260 of them at least uh, here in Vermont. And he asked me to be the advisor to that committee. Uh, and they're, they were looking to establish a, uh, or enhance the internal controls that would uh, help out uh, municipalities. And what I mean by that, uh, school districts, uh, towns, uh, fire districts, and so forth. Sure, sure. So, so you you sat on this uh, you sat on this committee. You actually ended up being a co-director of it. Um, and I'm going to want to I'm going to ask you when we come back from our break. I'm going to ask you about uh, uh, what came out of that. Uh, but uh, you mentioned that there was a uh, th- there was a rash of uh, of embezzlements at the time, and it seems to me that that rash. Uh, is, is continuing. Uh, we've got about uh, ten seconds before the break. Uh, is is that correct in your in your view? Yes, it is. It, it's still going on, and unfortunately, what's uh, what we don't know is how much is going on that we don't know about. Yeah, absolutely. Sure there's a lot. Uh, I like to say there's you know there's a there's an iceberg. What you see is uh, the little tip uh, you know on the surface, uh, but beneath it there's all kinds of uh, there's a huge massive uh, uh, chunk that uh, we don't quite see, we don't know about. Okay, I'll share more of that with you in a minute. Terrific. So we're going to take a break here, and we'll be back. out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Our highly competitive business world is fraught with risks and challenges. Critical business decisions must be made on a daily basis with precision when significant capital is at risk. When your organization is faced with a decision point involving opportunity and risk, consult with Marquet International, global experts in due diligence, investigations, and litigation support. Marquet International professionals assist organizations with vetting key individuals and businesses, as well as conducting sensitive employee or executive misconduct investigations. Our experts work with corporate counsel to develop facts and intelligence related to parties and circumstances in litigation, including conducting interviews, deep background investigations, and asset recovery inquiries. We are recognized in the area of fraud investigations, response and business controls consulting. When circumstances require sensitive and professional fact-finding, turn to Marquet International, world leaders in investigations and risk mitigation. Visit MarquetInternational.com or call 617-733-3304. Workplaces are only as strong as their teams. Teams are only as strong as their individual members. Are you seeking a better way to take your business to a higher level? We're here to help. Listen for Leading with Social-Emotional Intelligence, Building Trust Through Intentionality and Vulnerability with host Glenn Harris. Together, we'll explore the five key behaviors of a cohesive team and other concepts designed to keep your team working smarter. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to Fraud Talk with Chris Marquet. 
If you have a question or comment about the show, please send an email to Chris at marquetinternational.com. That's C-H-R-I-S at M-A-R-Q-U-E-T international.com. Now, back to Fraud Talk. And welcome back, Fraud Talkers. Uh, we are talking with uh, Don Keelan, who is a CPA by training and uh, based up in Vermont, uh, currently has a, uh, a an accounting practice, and but also sits on various boards and is an advisor to many nonprofits. He is a novelist uh, and has uh, worked with the State Auditor's uh, uh, Committee to try to help enhance uh, municipalities and government entities in cash control and uh, financial controls. And uh, Don, welcome back. Well, thank you. And I just want to make a correction. I've ended, uh, I brought to a a closure 50 years of board service this past summer. And uh, what I do now is uh, help uh, uh, on a pro bono basis, help nonprofits uh, with their finances and uh, understanding their finances anyway. Terrific. Well, so so this, you know, when you mentioned before how Vermont has got more nonprofits per capita uh, than any other state, which uh, which I hadn't realized, and uh, I'm sure that's one of the contributing factors to why Vermont seems to be having such a problem with employee theft. For, let, let's just talk. Let's focus on that issue. I mean, why why Vermont? I mean, my report. Over the last six years that I've been doing it, Vermont, as we ranked them state by state on what we called the, uh, you know, providing what we called the embezzlement propensity factor, which is a, a mathematical formulation to try to sort of rank the states in, or jurisdictions into how risky they are to embezzlement and others. Vermont ranked at the top of the list, all 50 states plus D.C., 51 entities, uh, three times out of the last six years and, and showed up five times on the list of the top ten out of the last uh, six years. So it, from my perspective, I, as I look at this, and it's not just anecdotal, you read about these cases, uh, it, Vermont has a problem. Uh, am I right about that, or what, what's your perspective? Well, it does have a problem, and um, uh, and, it's ha- and it's had this problem for some time, and uh, but um, uh, and it's part of the culture, I believe, and um, uh, and then that's it has that has to change. And what I mean by that, Chris, is we yes, we have a lot of nonprofits up here, and there are, and many of them are quite small, and so are the businesses uh, up here in Vermont. The, uh, right, uh, right. They're, they're quite small. And then when you come to think of it, uh, when someone joins a board of a nonprofit, uh, they don't join that board specifically because they have, they're enthralled with spreadsheets, Excel, QuickBooks. They join the board because they want to carry out the mission of that organization. Exactly. And, uh, and as a result, they, they're not paying attention, uh, and they're expecting maybe someone else to do that. And unfortunately, we don't have the, that number, uh, that many... Uh, financial people up here who can who can uh, serve on all of these boards, and therefore, uh, uh, if no one's paying attention, and that had, that that's the crux of a lot of the problems that I've seen and the uh, embezzlements that I've looked at, is that no one was paying attention. Um, the, the so, second part of that is th- there, there's a tremendous amount of trust up here. 
and uh, I'm sure you, uh, you've you discussed that as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, so so it, it's, I mean, it, to me, I mean, I haven't visited the state for many, many years. Uh, one of my best buddies has lived there for all his professional life after Dartmouth. Uh, it, it seems to be, you know, you have a, a close-knit community. You've got lots of small businesses. You've got, you know, everybody seems to know each other in, in, in all the little townships. And, and, you know, people have little businesses, all these nonprofits. Uh, there's a trust factor. Am I right about that? That's, a, that's a, exactly right. And uh, when you look at the more recent embezzlements, the uh, million six that was taken up in East Hartwick and the uh, 600000 in Wybridge, the uh, six or 700000 at the uh, uh, down here at the college in Bennington, uh, every one of them, uh, the uh, people in charge, the board, they trusted uh, uh, a tremendous amount of trust was given to that person who uh, uh, was convicted of embezzlement. There was trust, but there was no verification. Right. That, no, that, <laughs> trust, but not verify. That's right. Trust, but, trust, but don't verify. <laughs> uh, so, so, but, but do you think that's a cultural thing, and particularly in Vermont? I mean, if you go to New York City, uh, I, I think there's, you know, if you, you compare New York City to Quichy, Vermont, there's a, there's a different culture from a trust standpoint, Correct. I can't say for sure, uh, although uh, uh, what I've seen in New York, based on a report by the New York Times of the last year, uh, some of the major nonprofits in New York have been hit uh, really hard by embezzlement. Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, but I think uh, if you compare the smaller nonprofits in New York with the ones in Vermont, I think there's more skepticism in New York. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and there's probably less trusting, uh, but I'm, I can't say that for sure. Right. Yeah, well, that, that's what I was getting at. I mean, it just seems to me that there's a sort of a trust culture in, in places like Vermont. And I mean, in Montana was one of the other top states, the same kind of, you know, agricultural based uh, and, and uh, um, you know, uh, tourist based economy that, uh, that uh, you know, sparsely populated, relatively speaking, that there's a you know a trust factor in the culture that 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 perhaps is 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 helping to feed you know the the opportunists who who might be uh, willing to step over the line and 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 take from a a nonprofit for whatever reason. Well, I've interviewed uh, several convicted embezzlers, and I've had them on panels with me. Uh, and uh, there was no question about it that uh, when you ask them, uh, how are you able to con- uh, carry out what you did? And uh, the first thing uh, uh, each of them had mentioned uh, to me was the fact that uh, they, they were trusted. Uh, and that right. provided them, obviously, with the opportunity. Uh, uh, each one had uh, uh, pressure to uh, pay bills or they had an addiction. Uh, and, uh, but they, needed, they first needed trust. And then that gave them the opportunity because no one was checking, uh, checking them or checking, uh, being independently checking, uh, and that's what um, uh, gave rise. Yeah, the, so, so the the traditional fraud triangle, as it were, um, you know, is, is the three points of the triangle are opportunity. Uh, the second 
a part is um, is is the pressure, and the third point is the uh, rationalization piece. So you have in in this in this in the case of Vermont, it seems to me you've got opportunity galore. You've got all these nonprofits. You've got all these small businesses, and you know small uh, municipalities and government entities that uh, you know that are sparsely uh, impl- you know few numbers of, of employees uh, and overseers uh, and and as you point out uh, overseers who are not necessarily uh, want to be overseeing or are overseeing or even providing a, any oversight and therefore so the opportunity is huge correct that's right and I, I give you a, a, a quick example of that when I when Tom Sam and the former state auditor and I interviewed the embezzler uh, uh, from uh, Ira Romont, who had uh, stolen $400,000 from a small village. Uh, we had asked him uh, how was he able to do it, and he gave us the fact that there was opportunity here in the uh, small village. Uh, but he, uh, And why didn't you take it from your full-time job, where he was the bookkeeper? He said they had, their internal controls were too strong. And I was, I was unable, he was unable to steal from his employer, his full-time position, but he was able to do it at this small village. Uh, and it was opportunity because the, the village trusted him. And, and this village, uh, if I recall, a tiny tiny hamlet uh, up uh, up uh, on Lake Champlain. It's in Rutland. No, it's just below. It's in Rutland. Okay. Uh, it's Ira Vermont. Uh, Ira uh, Vermont, and um, this happened a few years ago. How many over? How many years did he do this? Uh, ten years. Right. So, so over a ten-year period, and, and f- some of you, you think of a four hundred grand over ten years. That's forty grand a year. I mean, you know, it's not necess- It's not a big number, but for a little hamlet like Ira, Vermont, it's it's serious. Correct. Very serious. I mean, they were fortunate that they were able to recoup a, a, a big part of that from their. Uh, insurance which they had with the league of cities and towns in vermont but uh they still suffered a loss and uh and um uh and, and obviously the uh the setback to the um, the progress of the town uh having to focus on this instead of focusing on the things that the town should be focusing on yeah i mean roads aren't being paved and potholes not being filled and you know uh just everything down the line so you have and for a small town it's just it can, it's devastating but that was a clear case of uh, trust, and uh, uh, and uh, and therefore the opportunity became because even though the uh, the, the 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 individual who had stolen the money uh, had rationalization, uh, in, at least in, from his on his part. So, um, so what was his ra- what, what what was his rationalization? That he was not getting enough money, uh, and that he could uh, uh, he, uh, he, there was a way in which he could pay his bills, uh, and uh, he had a, a series of unpaid bills. Of his personal life, right? Uh, I don't believe he had any addiction, uh, which I've seen in other places. Uh, where right. So had to feed an addiction. So for uh, for him, the pressure was a financial one, a financial and one. then rationalization was, you know, he wasn't getting paid enough for what he was doing. No, but the, so my my point here is that uh, uh, without opportunity, regardless of the fact that he had these two other uh, the, the perceived pressure and the rationalization. Uh, without the opportunity, uh, he could have never fulfilled the other two. Right. So, so have, if we, if we can, de- is the, uh, is the uh, you have to go after opportunity. Right. So if we can deny the opportunity, uh, 
then we're going to really put a dent into this kind of shenanigans, correct? That's, that's exactly right. Right. So, um, yeah, that's that's the fraud triangle. I mean, you see, I mean, frankly, I don't see a lot of cases. Well, I, 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 I take that back. Many cases, I think, start out small and where there is where where the pressure quote unquote the pressure piece is is a financial one they they need to pay x y or z and they decide they're going to take some money uh they're going to pay it back uh but things change is that your perception on this uh yes so for the most part the uh, when 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 i spoken to these embezzlers uh the most diffi- the, the two most difficult things they encountered was one to do the first the first uh, uh, rip-off, uh, write the first check to themselves or what have you. The second most difficult aspect of it was to end it. They, had, they, they, they really wanted to end it, but they couldn't, and they just keep going on. And, of course, uh, at some point, uh, it's going to catch up. It's, uh, I don't want to say it's like a Ponzi scheme, but eventually it's going to catch up to you. Right. So, uh, I mean, they, they were hoping that it would, uh, uh, someone would call it out. That's that's very interesting. Um, so we're going to have to uh, take another short break here. Uh, we're going to continue our discussion with Don Keelan uh, when we come back. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Our highly competitive business world is fraught with risks and challenges. Critical business decisions must be made on a daily basis with precision when significant capital is at risk. When your organization is faced with a decision point involving opportunity and risk, consult with Marquet International, global experts in due diligence, investigations, and litigation support. Marquet International professionals assist organizations with vetting key individuals and businesses, as well as conducting sensitive employee or executive misconduct investigations. Our experts work with corporate counsel to develop facts and intelligence related to parties and circumstances in litigation, including conducting interviews, deep background investigations, and asset recovery inquiries. We are recognized in the area of fraud investigations, response and business controls consulting. When circumstances require sensitive and professional fact-finding, turn to Marquet International, world leaders in investigations and risk mitigation. Visit MarquetInternational.com or call 617-733-3304. Does your business, like many, face obstacles to becoming successful? Would you love to have an open forum of entrepreneurial ideas and best practices brought to you each week? Tune in for the second stage with hosts Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick. We'll spotlight entrepreneurs and growing companies that are creating a vibrant economic base, as well as addressing some of the obstacles that could be standing in the way of your success. Listen Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today.
You are tuned in to Fraud Talk with Chris Marquet. If you have a question or comment about the show, please send an email to Chris at marquetinternational.com. That's C-H-R-I-S at M-A-R-Q-U-E-T international.com. Now, back to Fraud Talk. And welcome back, Fraud Talkers. I'm your host, Chris Marquet, and with me today is my special guest, Don Keelan, who is an accountant by training and uh, now has been helping uh, uh, nonprofits, uh, advising them and helping them shore up their financial controls locally in Vermont, which, by the way, has the highest number of nonprofits per capita of all the states in the union. Uh, and to my mind, that's uh, probably one of the contributing factors as to why we see so much embezzlement going on in the state of Vermont. Uh, welcome back. Uh, Don? Glad to be here. Terrific. Well, we've been talking a bit about, we just, uh, we, did, we talked about the fraud triangle and this, the case up in Ira, Vermont. I, f- I think the fellow's name was uh, uh, Hewitt or something like that. Yeah, Don Hewitt, who uh, stole 400 grand from the little tiny town in Ira, Vermont. Uh, he had the pressure where he initially thought he had, you know, he needed the money. He had the opportunity in spades where nobody was over, looking over his shoulder. He'd been a long, long, long time uh, 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 treasurer for the town, and uh, and the and the and the town elders uh, basically let him do whatever he did. I think you were describing to me how, how did. They they have their meetings, uh, Don. I uh, say that again, uh, uh, Chris. Uh, you know the the Ira case. Uh, you, I think you were telling me uh, how they would you know meet on you know Sunday evenings or whatever around around the card table or well, something no, like uh, that. The, um, uh, this went on for quite a while, and uh, every year, uh, uh, and Don was also the treasurer of the school district, uh, and uh, so he was able to take the money from the school district, and that's what uh, uh, where a lot of it came from. But ultimately, he was going to have to pay it back. But in any event, the town uh, had him do the budget, the financial statements, uh, the the three elected auditors uh, who would meet him annually uh, prior to town meeting day in order to get the town report done. They would just literally come to his house, have coffee uh, and uh, coffee cake, and uh, just uh, shoot the breeze, but never look at any of the underlying documents. Uh, And it wasn't until a, a select board member um, joined the board, uh, and she um, had a bookkeeping background, and she insisted on wanting to see the uh, bank statements. And when she uh, was kept being put off and stonewalled, she kept insisting, and finally she did get to see them and met with Don and on, on a Sunday morning at the town hall, and he showed her a bank statement that was supposed to have $47,000 in it, and I believe it had something like $38, and it was for a truck replacement fund. And he admitted to her that uh, this, uh, he's, uh, he took all the money out of that account, uh, and then he said there was a lot more than that. And that's what broke the case. And, uh, and here again, you know, it was uh, someone who had to uh, insist on uh, looking at um, the, do- the underlying documents. I mean, uh, she, uh, I-, I believe, trusted Don, but at the same time, she wanted to verify. Right. And that's where the town elders... Uh, 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 fell fell down on their job on their fiduciary job. 
Right. And this is, and this is common with uh, small municipalities. Uh, when, when we looked at, when I, every year when we publish the Marquet Report on embezzlement, you have the, the, the most common victim are financial institutions. And I think we can understand why they would be common victims. Uh, the second one is government entities, municipalities, uh, what have you, uh, school districts, etc. cetera. Uh, the third one being uh, a combination of nonprofits and religious organizations. So you look at, you know, you look at Vermont, and you've got you know all these little small hamlets and towns, the town elders who aren't really accountants, uh, and in this case, uh, it was, wasn't until you had uh, somebody uh, come in with a bookkeeping background who actually asked the questions and insisted on the the documents. Uh, did they uncover the fraud? And then, of course, the nonprofits and religious organizations that uh, are hugely, again, relying on a oftentimes a volunteer bookkeeper uh, to handle the books, and of course, trusting them. All the the folks that are uh, interest that sit on the board are interested in that cause. In, in the case of a nonprofit, or you know, the particular religious uh, uh, institution, and for that reason, you just have. You know, you, nobody's mining the coop. Well, that goes back to the point I was making earlier, and that is, you know, just take a school board, for example. Uh, a five-member school board, most of the members are, you know, decent people. They want to uh, serve the district because they're interested in education. Uh, and, uh, and at the same time, when they're on the board, they have this fiduciary responsibility. And school district financial statements are very complex. Uh, there's a, a whole host of issues that uh, come up there. And in most cases, uh, the people that do serve on these boards are not financially trained. Uh, and right. that's the other part of the problem, uh, that there's no uh, training. Uh, and uh, they may or they may not have audits. Uh, and uh, even if they did, did they really understand what's going on? And uh, when, you bring, when you approach the subject of internal controls, uh, you know, that's something that they, uh, they really don't understand. Uh, sure. They, uh, and, and as you and I know, uh, internal controls to a nonprofit and to a business is what infection control is to a hospital. Uh, right. You ignore it, uh, and you ignore it at your own peril. Your own peril, right. Exactly. Now, in New so, York, uh, I believe, um, based on that major embezzlement, uh, $11 million embezzlement in Long Island some, a few years ago at, um, um, out on the island, uh, New York State now has it's mandatory that when you serve on a school board, uh, you have to uh, get uh, uh, I believe it's six hours of continuing education annually in a county, mm-hmm. uh, and we don't have that here in Vermont. Even though we uh, the former control uh, order and I suggested that to the legislature. Well, tell tell us about your tenure on that uh, the committee and what came out of it and what has since uh, gone on. Now that I mean, like I like I said before, you you started writing. I think you 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 had an article in the Bennington Banner, embezzlement, a cottage industry, back in February of two thousand eight. Uh, so way back when, before I even wrote my first embezzlement report, you were sounding an alarm uh, in Vermont on this topic. Um, uh, and, and it uh, it led led to your being named to this board. Uh, t- tell us about your work there and, and how how things have transpired in uh, in the state of Vermont. Well, that was an excellent. Uh, com- uh, uh, it wasn't so much a board as it was a committee that was appointed by the uh, state auditor at the time, 
and it was a nine-member committee made up of uh, some experienced finance directors from throughout the state of municipalities, and they were to advise the state auditor's office on uh, how to enhance internal controls uh, uh, for municipalities in Vermont, and uh, uh, because they had been seeing a rash of embezzlements, and the, uh, the state auditor uh, wanted to do something about it. Now, Vermont has a great deal of uh, uh, local control, so the state auditor's office did not have the control that they uh, uh, would like to have had. Uh, so uh, our committee uh, made recommendations that the uh, state auditor uh, have the authority to uh, provide a checklist on internal controls to each municipality, school district and fire district, and that that municipality would have to uh, submit uh, that report signed by the uh, town treasurer and also the select board uh, or the school board in each of the municipalities uh, and send that back to the state auditor. In, in other words, uh, here's a complete uh, review. It's a questionnaire about your internal controls of the organization. And are they working or are they not working? And if there were too many of them that were not working, then the state auditor had the uh, authority to come in and do an audit or call upon a CPA firm to come in and do an audit. Um, uh, so that was our recommendation, and it was interesting. The first time we presented it to the legislature, because he need, uh, the, the state auditor's office needed a statute in which to um, have some teeth behind this, uh, it was uh, we were turned down. And uh, uh, I believe the legislature did not feel that it was a serious enough problem in Vermont. And this was and, in twenty. Was this twenty ten eleven? When was this? Uh, I believe 12? it was uh, two thousand eleven, maybe. Eleven. Okay. And, uh, and I testified before the legislature, and I was asked the question, how serious a problem is it? And I said, well, in the, pre- in the previous year, our municipalities lost something like $3.5 million in embezzlements, including that major one that I think you covered in your report up in uh, Hardwick, the, uh, the electric company, the municipal right. electric company. That was a million right. six. Uh, and uh, so I, I, I suggested to the legislature, I made a point to the legisl- legislature, just how big does it have to be before you, uh, you, you, you're going to take action? And I said, you know, the, 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 the real problem here is that uh, the taxpayers and the residents of these communities uh, could very well lose trust in their elected leaders if, in fact, they're, gonna, they're seeing their monies uh, embezzled. And, um, uh, and I said, you know, you need to get the towns to uh, do something about that and take action. And, uh, so the, fi- the following year, uh, they did pass uh, the legislation, and, um, and now municipalities have to fill out this questionnaire and submit it back. So, so in, in your mind, has uh, so, so is, is that really the the is that the only thing that's happened on this on this particular front? Has anything changed on the enforcement side? Um, I can't, uh, I, I don't know for sure uh, and regarding that uh, point, uh, although I, I do see that the, uh, the, um, uh, uh, in many instances, more than I thought, that the federal government is stepping in and taking over the cases. Right. And I don't know whether that's because the Vermont uh, Jude- um, a prosecutor's office, uh, the state's attorney's office, just doesn't have the time. Or uh, the federal prosecutor, uh, they feel that uh, there's a lot more here, and not just embezzlement, but in tax evasion and wire fraud. So I, I believe on many, uh, there's a lot more federal involvement in the, uh, in the embezzlement uh, arena here in Vermont than there had been, I would say, five years ago. 
Right, and that may be uh, that may be, but I mean, they usually don't get involved unless there's a, you know, a, a, a sizable theft involved, uh, and and the charge could be wire fraud and or tax evasion, on top of the theft, uh, the theft uh, uh, charges as well, uh, and then and then of course there's the mandatory sentencing guidelines. Uh, we'd like to get into this uh, a bit more on our final segment uh, when we come back in two minutes. With, uh, with our special guest, Don Keelan. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Our highly competitive business world is fraught with risks and challenges. Critical business decisions must be made on a daily basis with precision when significant capital is at risk. When your organization is faced with a decision point involving opportunity and risk, consult with Marquet International, global experts in due diligence, investigations, and litigation support. Marquet International professionals assist organizations with vetting key individuals and businesses, as well as conducting sensitive employee or executive misconduct investigations. Our experts work with corporate counsel to develop facts and intelligence related to parties and circumstances in litigation, including conducting interviews, deep background investigations, and asset recovery inquiries. We are recognized in the area of fraud investigations, response and business controls consulting. When circumstances require sensitive and professional fact-finding, turn to Marquet International, world leaders in investigations and risk mitigation. Visit MarquetInternational.com or call 617-733-3304. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Fraud Talk with Chris Marquet. If you have a question or comment about the show, please send an email to Chris at com. That's C-H-R-I-S at M-A-R-Q-U-E-T international.com. Now, back to Fraud Talk. And welcome back, Fraud Talkers. Uh, I'm speaking today with Don Keelan, a CPA by training, uh, up based up in Vermont. Uh, he's advised the state of Vermont on how to better help uh, protect and prevent, uh, protect their municipalities and prevent uh, embezzlement from going on up there. Uh, seems like there's been uh, quite a, uh, a rash of cases over the last five, seven years. In fact, hey, Don, welcome back. Thank you. In fact, I'm looking at a list on my own my own spreadsheet, my own data over the last uh, you know since from 2008 to the present. I've got 35 cases in the state of Vermont, over a hundred thousand dollars embezzlement. 
cases. You know, that you know, includes uh, the Bellevance case, uh, Hardwick Electric, uh, uh, $1.6 million to, you know, 100 grand uh, cases here and there to lots of 200, 300, $400, $500,000 cases all over the state of Vermont, all different kinds of uh, enterprises, but lots of government entities, lots of nonprofits, uh, and small businesses. Um, so you work with your your committee. You made recommendations. Um, tell us in your based on all your experience and and how you're you're currently advising nonprofits. How should we, you know, how should these small businesses, how, how should these municipalities, nonprofits, etc., help better protect themselves, prevent this, and and try to catch them quicker. Well, I, I think the um, uh, regardless of whether it's a nonprofit or a small business or uh, uh, a municipality, uh, the, 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 and I recognize that people do not go into these uh, organizations uh, because they have, uh, as, as I mentioned earlier, uh, they're so enthralled with uh, spreadsheets and Excel, and they like to see uh, financial data. They, they go, they join because they want to carry out the mission of the organization. That's what they're committed to, but. When they take on the role of trustee, uh, and, and here's where I have a big problem with many trustees, is they don't really understand that in Vermont, uh, we have the, non-corporation, the, the Nonprofit Corporation Act, which has uh, several areas of it that describe your role and your responsibilities as a trustee, one of them being your fiduciary role. And even though you may not be a financial person, and I don't like to have all trustees become CPAs, uh, God forbid, uh, but the thing is, uh, if you don't understand the financial, at least have someone on that board or someone who can volunteer for the board uh, come on in and give you, as a board member, uh, a review of your organization's internal controls and find out whether you know, they're in place and, uh, and, and, in fact, are they working. The second thing is to, to develop the attitude that, yes, I trust the treasurer, I trust our bookkeepers, but I want to verify uh, and uh, and thirdly, as uh, uh, periodically, have an independent audit done. Now that's part of the problem in Vermont too, because many of these organizations just do not have the uh, financial uh, strength to have an audit uh, or the resources, I should say. Uh, and uh, uh, and that's unfortunate. But uh, in the absence of that, even if you can't do a full audit, at least do an audit of cash, and what we call a, a special audit, uh, because uh, obviously no one's. There's not too many um, uh, incidents where uh, a truck was stolen or a building was stolen, but it's cash. And as you note in your report, that's the um, um, the area that's most fungible and can be uh, can be taken. Cash is king. So uh, you know, when we're talking about nonprofits uh, on the federal side. Every nonprofit's required to f- file a Form 990, and there's within that there is a requirement to disclose material. Defalcations, correct? That's tell correct. us a bit. Tell us a bit about that. Well, there's a question. I believe it's uh, part six, question five, uh, on the uh, on the new uh, form 990. Uh, that uh, uh, has there been any? And the question is, has there been any misappropriation uh, of funds from the organization? Uh, I'm, I'm sort of paraphrasing it. So it's not uh, material. It's any. Uh, well, no, it, 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 there there is a, a threshold. Uh, it's two hundred fifty thousand dollars or more. Uh, it's the first. Uh, uh, it's first a big part. threshold. It is. It is. And uh, uh, and then the second part is uh, if if you don't if if you are not covered by that threshold, then I believe it's one percent. 
either it's one percent or ten percent of your uh, gross income, and that picks up a lot of organizations. Then I see. Uh, okay. Now, uh, I uh, last but year the, the New York Times did a uh, report on this, and they examined the thousand nine nineties of major nonprofits throughout the United States, and this number was horrendous, uh, in my opinion. Of the of the thousand nonprofits that they examined, uh, that question. There was over $800 million taken, uh, if you can believe yeah. that. I mean, uh, so nonprofits, you know, we were discussing the small nonprofits in Vermont, but uh, when you um, uh, 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 had looked at that article and, and see what's, and that was just a thousand that they looked at. Yeah, that's and it's big and small. Actually, I think it's the Washington Post. But um, I'm sorry, maybe I had the wrong. Uh, yeah, no, the wrong they interviewed me for that one. But uh, the but you're right. It's it's the same issue. Small, large nonprofits generically uh, are not focused on the finances. Um, they rely on in-house volunteer bookkeepers in many cases, uh, or if they do have a in-house. Uh, uh, accounting department is very small and, um, and not well controlled. Um, so let's. Uh, we don't have a lot of time here, uh, Don. I want to turn to turn back to Vermont again. <clears throat> we're talking about. We were talking about. You know, sentencing and restitution. Um, you keep an index about. You know how long people get actually spent in jail versus how much they stole. T- tell us a bit about that. And you actually wrote an article. I think it was called "The Best Job in Vermont" uh, back in, uh, in 2009 or so. Uh, describe that. Well, that, what, uh, what motivated that column was the uh, fact that in Bennington, someone had stolen ninety-eight thousand dollars from a local manufacturing company, received a sentence of forty-five days uh, in, in jail uh, with no restitution, uh, and. Uh, uh, and I uh, was kidding, but you know, I'd love to spend 45 days in jail because no one would bother me. Uh, and uh, <laughs> uh, you can get a lot done. But the thing is, uh, and yet there was uh, the other part of that was that was $98,000, and I didn't see where the state tax commissioner or the IRS went after that individual for uh, tax fraud because uh, many people don't realize uh, embezzlement, whether you're caught or not, you must report the income on your tax return under the uh, caption of ill-gotten gains. Right. Uh, and uh, and uh, unfortunately, uh, so I think, you know, one of the, uh, another thing we could do here in Vermont and other places too, and that is uh, more enforcement. Uh, and also if an organization, even if they're not going to report it to the, 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 the authorities, send a 1099 to the individual who, you, who uh, may have taken money from your organization and let them deal with that. And uh, all, right. all too often, uh, businesses and nonprofits fail to send out a 1099 to the person who, who they know has taken funds from that organization. That's Let a good them point. deal with the IRS and the state then. Yeah. I mean, uh, the IRS, I mean, that's why in, in a lot of these cases I've seen more recently, the IRS, the, um, uh, the prosecutors, the federal prosecutors, will will add the charge of uh, uh, of, um, of of fraudulent tax returns, and and get them on that count. Sometimes the the sentencing is is better on that. Is your your as on this topic? Is your impression that Vermont a little bit lacks on on their sentences of these kinds of uh, fraudsters? I don't. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I want to use the word lax. I think what they, uh, the, from my interviews with the uh, the authorities, is that it's not perceived as a uh, 
a crime that someone's uh, uh, been injured. Yeah, it's not a violent crime. A violent crime, and uh, and yet at the same time, uh, when you look at the businesses that had to close because they couldn't make up the the, uh, not, uh, the the loss, or the law firm that had to close, or the architectural firm that had to close, uh, people have been hurt. Uh, yes, they haven't been hurt physically, maybe emotionally, yes, uh, and uh, and obviously financially. Well, people lose their jobs, uh, they don't get raises, they don't get bonuses, uh, business owners have to uh, curtail investment and growth, uh, people get fired, uh, businesses get shuttered, there's all, uh, you know, vendors don't get paid, uh, you know, it, it has all kinds of ramifications that are uh, re- really devastating in, in many cases. The other side, I, I just want to point out, uh, Chris, the other point is the uh, fact that uh, most embezzlers that I've encountered, uh, this was their first crime. Uh, I mean, in other words, they're not hardened criminals, if you will. Right. And, that, and obviously the judicial system uh, puts a lot of weight on that as well. That's true. Well, we're going to have to uh, end it there. Uh-huh. I want to thank you, Don, for joining me today. It's uh, been fun. And uh, I want to uh, um, so, hope to see everybody next week, uh, Monday, 10 a.m. We'll talk to everybody uh, next week. Thank you for listening to Fraud Talk this week. Please join Chris Marquet again next Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Don't become a victim of fraud. Tune in for another show soon.